Live from the home office of Ag Solutions Network, it's the Ag Emerge Podcast. We're here to move the ag paradigm forward by helping you regenerate your soils using new ideas, research, and emerging technologies. Get ready to improve your soils, your crops, your livestock, and your family's livelihood. I'm Kim Sheese. And I'm Monty Bottoms. And we're your hosts. Thanks for joining us. Well, welcome. Today, Walter Lynn joins us on the podcast. Walter grew up on a diverse crop and livestock farm near Mason City, Illinois. You know, his high school peers predicted he'd become a forester because of his 4-H conservation projects, but instead he took the route of becoming a CPA, who then went on to develop an agricultural niche. Walter's life experiences have given him a great perspective on not only soil health, but the value of building networks between lots of different minds in the regenerative ag space and continuously learning from each other and those great minds. You'll learn right away that Walter is what I like to call a lifelong learner, and his passion for the work that he's doing is multifaceted. Walter combines his wealth of experience as a CPA with his desire to further soil health initiatives in a great portfolio of knowledge. He'll tell you how he learned that you can't have economic and financial rewards without biological capital. And that's just one of the great nuggets of info that we'll tap into today. So won't you join us here on the Aggie Merge podcast? Well, Walter, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm looking forward to our conversation, and we always like to start out by asking your why. We love to hear your story. We want to know what has you passionate about regenerative ag, and how did you get here? And as we're talking a little bit earlier, I think you've got a fun story to start us off about uh, some predictions from your high school classmates about what your regenerative ag future might look like. Yes, I do, Kim. One of the things, just to give a little bit of context, I grew up in Mason County, Illinois. It's about 35 miles north of uh, Springfield here. Our farm, when I was growing up, was, I'm going to say, maybe a little more diverse than a, the the typical farm, you know, even in, the, even in the 60s. And so, you know, I guess I got exposed to diversity maybe early on in my, you know, my experience growing up, you know, on mom and dad's farm, et cetera. And my brother and I still have the farm. Okay. We haven't, we haven't called, you know, an auctioneer to sell it or whatever. I have a son in, in, uh, Montana and a, and a daughter out in, in uh, Ohio and you know they they that that's part of their ethic also. But one of the things that's kind of interesting is you know I went to a, my high school class was only twenty people. Uh, okay, so yeah, you know, I, I you know I mean you you know we sometimes you know we're sorting through currently. You know, you know, school size and all that. But I mean, we had a we had a wonderful, wonderful education. You know, in Easton, uh, Easton, Illinois. That was where I graduated from. But you had the true meaning of one to one learning. <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. That's that's a gr- that's a great statement. But what I think was really you know kind of fascinating as you reflect back was, you know, what did, what were my peers thinking I was going to do in life? And because there was, there was always that piece 
that they they put in our little you know mimeographed you know school paper you know with me because we did, they only did it I don't know three or four times a year but in 4H I did a lot of conservation stuff yeah yeah I had you know I did I built birdhouses I mean we had some we had sheep that was one of the the animal piece of 4H that we had you with me oh yeah I showed cattle I'm right there with you right I, I actually have a sheep. A, a sheep showmanship award that I, I don't have that on my on my bio. <laughs> you can get that on your bio for sure. Right. But I got the opportunity because of that uh, exposure in 4-H to go to different forestry camps. Oh, yes. Okay. In Illinois at the time, there was one that we went to. There was one in Monticello, Illinois at the 4-H camp over there at Allerton Park. Mm-hmm. And then there was one that we went down to West Frankfurt, Illinois, you know, down in the Shawnee Forest. Oh, sure. So you know, they, you know, like in grazing, they have uh, you know the the you know kind of the grazing stick. Yes. Well, they actually had a stick that we used to measure how many board feet were you know were in a in a walnut tree or whatever, and so. So I mean that was that was but my class uh, prophecy was that is what I was going to be a forest ranger in the uh, uh, redwood forest. But in my senior year of school, my mom, you know, she said, "Well, why don't you think about maybe being a CPA?" Okay. <laughs> And so, I mean, that was, that was, that was kind of a, a you know, parents sometimes coach you, you know, about different careers, et cetera. And it's been a wonderful experience, Kim, in my, in my, in my lifetime. I went to uh, Western Illinois University. And when I went to Western, I had several goals. One was to, you know, be able to sit for the CPA exam when I got done, get a commission in the United States Army. And, you know, say with ROTC and then work in downstate Illinois. I didn't want to go to Chicago. I didn't want to go to St. Louis or whatever. Sure. So I was blessed to get an internship in Springfield my senior year. And and my and Western at that point in time were doing quarters. So I got to work during tax season there, et cetera. But when I, got, when I went back to school at Western that spring, to start the spring quarter, they said, do you want a job? Wow. Uh, or they gave me a job offer, I should say. And so that was uh, how I started my CPA career in, in Springfield. But then that led to, you know, I spent seven years, that, uh, you know, with a larger firm, good firm. You know, I have good relationships with, you know, some of the connections that I have there and the network that we built, you know, with, you know, some of the old team that was there. And there, you know, there's somewhat a parallel, you know, people and, you know, the synergies and nature, you, there's some parallels there. You with me? Absolutely. Yeah. But when you kind of file, you know, kind of continue on the journey, my, my grandmother died in 1979. And I'd always had a little bit of a, I'd had a vision of actually stepping out and maybe starting my own firm. So 1980 was when I did that. Okay. But we practiced, um, you know, in, in the CPA space as a firm, I, I practiced for over, over 40 years. But we developed an agricultural niche uh, that was based here in Springfield. 
And we worked, I mean, you know, when you sit back and continue to, you know, you, you do reflection, at, you know, I guess maybe this time of life, et cetera. But, but you, know, you look at, you look at, we worked on clients that were in California to North Carolina. We had one gentleman that I, I had as a, he was our largest client at the time in my practice. And this particular client owned land in in six different states so we we got to see a lot of different things but i think what we what what, where i want to kind of go with this a little bit is you know we differentiated ourselves in the cpa practice because we wanted to help the, the the clients understand their finances versus just doing the tax return exactly because I mean, we, we help the clients with loan proposals, uh, maybe workout, you know, sometimes workout arrangements or refinancings, et cetera. So we, we didn't, I mean, we, we probably had the opportunities to, you know, probably be bigger than we did. So, but we, we kept our firm, you know, smaller and I had a tremendous team that helped me. But one of the things that I think that I, that I want to share is I spent a lot of time working in financials, but I had one specific client that lives in Cass County, Illinois. He would come in and he would bring me a publication, The Stockman Grass Farmer. Okay. Yeah. So I got exposed to uh, understand a little bit about grass and started going to some ranching for profit courses, a holistic management, et cetera. Holistic management, which I chair now out in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I actually got uh, how my first exposure was they pulled my name out of a hat, a fishbowl for a course. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's just, that's how that, that's how that whole piece occurred. Yes. So I was growing personally, et cetera. And then the, the regenerative thing started to fascinate me more. I mean, that when I was getting that exposure, say to ranching for profit and started that journey, that was probably early nineties. Then along kind of late uh, say 2011, because of some networking we did with uh, some of the farm a farm management group that met monthly in Springfield. You know, I got to meet a a, a, a guy that was a, a former district conservationist here in Springfield, a guy by the name of Dan Towery. Dan and I grew up in Mason County. He grew up in Havana, Illinois, and. Uh, he had uh, his career, you know, taken him different spots, um, different locations with, with uh, NRCS. But at the time, he was an officer in the Soil and Water Conservation Society, which is in Ankeny, uh, Iowa. So our, we just kind of kept popping up, you know, where we'd see each other, et cetera. I didn't really know him when I was growing up, but Dan got me to go to an event that Howard Buffett was one of the sponsors for his foundation was in uh, Decatur yes. in, in 2011. Okay. Now, had what, he written that book, 40 Chances, by that time? I'm trying to remember. Uh, no, I think that's later, Kim. Okay. That, that's, that's later when Howard wrote that book. 
but the speaker for the for the dinner event i mean they had they had you know different sessions that you could go to during the day the speaker was gabe brown oh and that was in 2011 2011 in beautiful decatur illinois at their that it's their conference center now so that summer in 2012 i thought yeah walter why don't we start to expose some of our clients to the benefits of cover crops Mm -hmm. okay so we did something kind of out of the ordinary for a cpa firm we had we had had a little uh cover crop conference that's awesome right that was 2012. um and so uh dan came and did it um and i can one of the things i can remember you know uh in what dan dan one of his powerpoint slides was the properties of soils okay the properties of soils being you know uh, the physical piece the chemical piece and the biological piece you know one of the uh, the owners in understanding ag uh, ray archuleta you know has, has coached me also and uh you know i mean when you look at that how dan presented it it was like the olympic circles yes and where the intersection was that was soil health mm-hmm. but you know as i've kind of come to understand with my you know continual uh education and understanding and meetings etc you know that the biology piece is just a major major piece it's maybe not an equal equal circle is what i'm trying to get in the visual yes so what i'm where i'm going with that ray makes the comment that you know bio with you know soil without biology is just geology exactly exactly that's uh, i believe i might have had that quote on my computer at one point so right. yeah, it's a great but, yeah, that's a great one. So that summer, I got an email from a client down in Oklahoma, and it was Elaine Ingham was coming in to talk about the microbes, the fungi, bacteria, et cetera, was down in Texas. Sure. So uh, that happened in September of 2012. So, you know, I was blessed for that exposure. I mean, it was a 30,000-foot view of that Uh, experiences started stacking up you know you were lining up some pretty heavy hitters right there kind of front loading your your learning and understanding of what was going on right it's you know it's, it's been a wonderful journey but then that event that was in decatur dan and the and the group had another event it was in january of 13 so i you know instead of you know, the prior year, Gabe had been the dinner speaker. Well, Dan asked if I would be the dinner speaker for that event. Okay. So I got to relate some of what I had been exposed to with Elaine, et cetera. And uh, so then kind of progressing on, you know, on a little bit. 2014, I was asked to get on the Holistic Management's board, and that's been a, a wonderful experience. But then in the summer of 15, 
I actually, in July, I got to go to head north a little bit. I had a meeting in uh, Pierce, South Dakota, and I've gotten married in 2018, but Cindy, my uh, bride-to-be, we actually went to Bismarck, uh, North Dakota to actually see Gabe's uh, place and his farm. Well, one of the side benefits of that a little trip was I had never met Ray Archuleta. Okay. But he was there also. And so that way I got to meet Ray. I got to meet uh, Paul, Gabe's son, Peter Donovan, you know, with the Soil Carbon Coalition. You kind of met the whole crew. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, I, I mean, that was, I mean, those are fixtures in the, uh, you know, the regenerative ag movement. But then Cindy and I ventured down to uh Pier South Dakota and 17 miles east of Pier uh, South Dakota is the Dakota Lakes Farms. Yes. And Dan Towery and Gabe said, if you're going to be in in Pier, you have to go see Dwayne back. Exactly. So, I mean, that's, I mean, he's a pillar, you know, in, in the no-till on the plains. I love this. Uh, Dr. Beck was our headline speaker this year at Aggie Merge, and yes, he is a wealth of knowledge. The research that he's done at the Dakota Lakes Research Farm, gosh, it spanned the gamut of no-till and cover crops, and uh, and his focus on adding diversity and management practices that support back to that system again. That's all pretty exciting. So we've got a we've got a common uh, theme running through here. Well, and then I was, you know, and I got to see him recently um, when I was in Edmonton, Alberta. Oh, excellent. Yeah. And I I mean, I've I've emailed, I mean, you know, I email him and chat with him once in a while on the phone. But anyway, that was a highlight of that particular trip. So, I mean, you know, I, I I have generally, you know, a, a soil health book you know, by my lazy boy or I'm reading or YouTubing or whatever, you know, in the process. But I, I've just been very, very blessed. One of the fellows that's on our, our holistic bo- uh, management board, he's an SDSU, South Dakota State a grad, 26 years old. Uh, I mean, that's Brad Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah. He was a speaker on Aggie Merge stage uh, two years ago. We yeah. had Brad speak. He's a dynamic, great guy who's passionate about soil health and regenerative ag and just really moving that needle forward. Well, I'm I'm blessed to have met him at No-Till on the Plains. Yes. I think about two years ago, you know, mm-hmm. and he, his responsibilities have grown with DU now. Instead of just being South South Dakota, he has, I think, about responsibilities, I think, for as a, their agronomist for, I think, five to six different states now. But what I, where I was, what I wanted to relate to you is, you know, he got to have tutelage under Dwayne for two years. Yeah. So, yeah. He's got I mean, a passion for, for what he's doing. And that's, that's exciting to see. And he's, and as you said, had tutelage under some pretty great teaching. Right, right. But, uh, but I just want to, you know, I've just, man, I, and we network very strongly here in, um, in uh, Illinois, you know, Monty, I think was at an event that we had when 
in 2017 gave the Illinois the, the conservation tent that they had at the the Farm Progress show that specific year. Gabe was one of the he was one of the speakers that they had. So when Gabe was here, we ho- we helped ho- uh, put together an event for about I think it was about 90 people in Logan County, uh, you know, right north of Springfield here. And um, uh, Monty was, I think, at that event, I believe. When you talk about this stuff, what I see is, you know, we're back to uh, networking and relationships with all these folks that have, you know, are really boots on the ground doing the work, but yet they're out there working to help other farmers and producers to understand and so they're not just learning this information and kind of holding it close to their vest they are passionate about educating as many people as will listen to to their message and and what they're doing that's working right and 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 part of how we got gabe here that particular uh year was we started a facebook group in march of 17 and josh ducard who's a holistic management educator we had him down in march of that uh in 2017 and we started a group called herd quitters midwest and so that's you know that's been you know a piece that we've done but you know our group there we had that big group then you know some of our guys they wanted a smaller uh, meeting in 18 we brought alan williams in to a meeting in well in warrensburg illinois here north and west of decatur and then last year we helped facilitate getting rick clark from over in indiana he came highly recommended and you know a guy that's really making a huge difference on what the possibilities are in the systems piece because you know rick is just doing some amazing things he's doing no-till organic what the possibilities of all that are you know great speaker uh, we just had him for, uh, I must call it a road show here in Illinois. You know, sometimes you look at, well, Gabe's in North Dakota. You know, some will say, well, I can't do that here or whatever. But, you know, Gabe has a tremendous message, but you have to look at what the context is for your specific location. Exactly. And, and, and I'm not saying, and Gabe understands that. For but sure. Rick's one that is just, you know, bring something that is kind of in our latitude, you know, is in, an, you know, in the I states, farms on both sides of the Illinois and the Indiana line, et cetera. I want to kind of, you know, maybe make kind of a, a statement here, uh, Kim, for you. I had this exposure to, you know, seeing different farms and ranches all over the U.S., okay, with our CPA firm. But there's a a sage that I connected with when I was down in Texas, and it it was Walt Davis. He's got a great book out there that I would encourage people to read. It's called The Green Revolution Delusion. And he's written it as a fiction, so it's lighter. 
you know it's not there's it's not techie but it's a it's a real good good read but and he's got an, a, another book that he's written that came out you know in 2019 but you know as a, as a cpa waltz and aggie he's actually uh, in a texas aggie but he would he would challenge me when i would chat with him on the phone what he was challenging me with is walter we got to move to the space of biological capital biological capital you know was what he kept pounding on me about uh, and i'm saying that i mean walt walt's a dear 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 friend i I've been to uh, where he lives now in Oklahoma. So what what I would you know encourage you to you know the, the listeners to think about is that you know sometimes you know when you when you look at you know when you look at holistic management is that you know there's a social piece, there's a economic piece, and there's an environmental piece. I mean the piece that you know I guess maybe I was a little slow on the uptake a little bit. But, you know, when Walt started making that comment about the biological capital, you can't have the, the financial rewards and the economic rewards unless you have that biological capital, because that's really how the sustainability comes, the resilience comes, et cetera. And, and there's a piece there with, and I think it's uh, the biological capital is a, is a huge thing for for risk management, Kim. So anyway, I really, you know, I really praise Walt for, um, you know, kind of, you know, kind of continuing to uh, press me about that whole, whole concept. So anyway. Well, I, I think that's uh, fascinating because, you know, one of the reasons that I was excited to talk with you is because, you know, a lot of times I, I see when I hear people talking about these practices and you said it earlier where they say, you know, oh, that won't work here. You know, right. that's fine that they're doing it there, but that won't work here. And, you know, Monty always makes the comment that, um, you know, the principles are the same. The practices vary from right. location to location. That's so, right. but the principles are solid across wherever you're going. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. so, and so I feel like that's part of it. But the other thing that I, I think is so important is that we're so wrapped up in, uh, you know, if I can just get, you know, two more bushel to the acre or, you know, so many more pounds of product or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and we're not focusing on what the true costs are of doing those things and the benefits of, you know, really reducing some things that we may not need. And so from a financial standpoint, you know, you've been able to see these practices work across different geographies. You said it best when you said you were more focused on helping your producers to look at their financials and do their planning than just do their taxes. Correct. And so I feel like those are the kind of things that we need to look at. You know, we're constantly talking about looking at a system, you know, that this entire process is a system and it, it's, it's not just cover crops and it's not just, um, you know, no-till, you know, those things by themselves don't get us to an end result. 
And so I think it's exciting as you put all those puzzle pieces together and look at the financial side of it, too, that you're seeing benefit and success. Well, let me let me let me let me chat about that a little bit, Kim. I mean, you you're you're spot on. It's a systems piece. And I I mean, and that's one of the I mean, there's a piece of me, you know, I I can say I don't want to say say beat up is probably something maybe strong maybe strong, but I mean, you know, there's there's a piece of how we've looked at things in the past. We get to looking at things in silos. You know, the silos piece actually, you know, that you know they're trying to do things as components instead of looking at it in, you know, as a system. And I actually had, I mean, there's there's a there's a young staffer down in texas uh, that's with uh, a&m he's in, Ver- in vernon texas he, he's he's just come up from argentina to become one of their one of their staff people in vernon texas i mean and that was one of the things that we were talking about this morning you know in a ranch setting of you know looking at you know you know what how does the system fit in with the regenerative ag i mean I mean, the thing that I see sometimes when we do research, whether it's, you know, whatever land grant it is or whatever, you know, that's not in a system that is, I mean, it's, it's, plot, it's a plot or whatever. It's back to context. That's the piece. It's really been somewhat exciting. Uh, 2018, we've been trying to, you know, help bring awareness of some of the... Uh, the systems piece, uh, you know, with you know, with our land grant here in Illinois, and I'm not a, I'm not even a, a University of Illinois grad. I mean, from some of my uh, committee work that I did as a CPA, I mean, the Ag Econ Department at University of Illinois, we've got some you know great inroads that we we've been able to uh, work there with, you know, a lot of the team there uh, is, uh, you know, moving in this direction a little bit. I mean, sometimes you want to, you maybe you want to compare it to, you know, maybe the Titanic. (laughs) Okay. And, you know, are they just shuffling the chairs? But I mean, I think there's a little bit of a turn, you know, there. Uh, I mean, some of the leadership, I think that's on the fire management or fire managers and rural appraisers, the Illinois Society, you know, Rick Clark, you know, in the, in the meetings that they had this week, he and his nephew, they were about two hours on the program and now roughly an hour each. Well, the Illinois Society of Farm Managers and Rural Appraisers is actually going to have a meeting in February, and it's going to be a four-hour gig for Rick. And uh, I mean, and I think that's you know that's that's a tribute to their leadership that they see the value of where uh, what the potential is for regenerative agriculture. One meeting that we had in Warrensburg in August, we had a bank trust officer there, okay? You know, there's a, you know, the holdings that they're looking at in in their in their uh, trust portfolio, they threw out a word that begins with F, okay? That they feel that the regenerative piece 
fits the, st the stewardship uh, role that we have, uh, you know, in our short time that we're on this, you know, we're in this world, but, you know, um, that particular gal, that particular day, uh, she threw out the fiduciary word, okay, which is a big, uh, that's, a, that's a big concept that we need to think about and in, in where, you know, what, you know what, what we need to be thinking, you know, for future generations and the beneficiaries, you know, I mean, I'm not, you know, sometimes trust, we're looking at that's a, that's a formal relationship, but, you know, really, uh, you know, there, there's probably, we, I mean, we could, we could brainstorm and say that, a fiduciary is actually something that is, you know, has some other meaning. So, okay. Yeah, I think it's, um, I, I mean, you're spot on what we talked about at Ag Emerge when we had the panel discussion up there and, and the guys were talking about they adopt these practices and they've got good things going on. You know, there's still all of these things that they're facing that people don't see the differences. So, you know, there's all these dynamics that we have to face as we're trying to adopt some of these things. And, and what does that look like? Right. Well, you know, that's, that's a piece, Kim, you know, and some of the networking that we've done, I mean, one event that, you know, that event in August, we actually kicked around, we had a flip chart there that particular day, okay? And for the intros, uh, you know, you know, we were going around and, you know, we'd ask, well, Kim, you know, where are you from, you know, et cetera. But I, but I, you know, I gave a little bit of context about, uh, or a little bit of, you know, what the framework was for holistic management. But, but we, but the question that we, you know, that was kind of the icebreaker for the day was, what do you see as a constraint to adopting soil health on your farm? Mm -hmm. Or if you didn't want to share about your farm, how about your neighbor's farm? Okay. Sure. And we, we filled, uh, I don't know, three or four different uh, flip chart pages that specific day. And and then um, I've committed that to, you know, kind of a little white paper that I've been sharing. It's interesting to start to, uh, you know, maybe think what those are, uh, to verbalize what they are, et cetera, because, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call it maybe the, the, a lot of them that came up that it was, um, you know, the social constraints, you know, why something doesn't work, uh, et cetera. So anyway, it, it's been, uh, it's been interesting to see the feedback with that. So it's interesting that as independent as farmers can be, that they are very much or can be tied to that social component that does often affect their decision-making. And we, we talked about that a lot the last couple of weeks, and it was fun to hear the guys talk about, my field isn't going to look the same anymore as it did. You know, we've got, you know, we have almond growers in California right. that are growing co cover crops between their, their rows. And it's fascinating. And, and they're absolutely loving it. And the thing is that what I hear in their voices when they talk about it is the excitement of figuring out what works, what doesn't, and not being afraid to 
you know, have a failure that they know enough, try something on a small scale and then implement larger as they can. And they're learning, but, but they don't look at it as a failure when they're figuring things out and they've just kind of turned off the noise uh, of people who are giving them a hard time. Yeah. And, and I guess that's one of the things that I, I, you know, I want to expand a little bit on also is, you know, I mean, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a piece that when we have a failure, you know, we deal with, uh, we deal with those things differently in life. Right. And, um, you know, I mean, one of, one of a, a dear friend of mine down in, in Oklahoma, again, a different guy in Northeast Oklahoma, you know, he says he, ne- he never fails but they're just learning opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, I mean, or as a, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, that I thought I had one time I had a guy, he made a comment to me about his grain marketing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, this was in the seventies and this particular guy had lost, I don't know, somewhere over 160,000 on, you know, his marketing on the board of trade. You with me? Yeah. But, you know, he and I got to be, you know, in a relatively close when I was in that role with, with that firm. But anyway, he said, yeah, Walter, I have a PhD in uh commodity trading and what he what he meant was is that it was paid high and dear so i mean he'd learned from his he'd learned from his life you know the life experiences I, I mean i think that's the piece that we have to deal with i guess our own psyche or whatever so i mean you know i think that you know we we all are, are wired differently and i think that that's a piece that we have to uh we have to recognize. So, you know, how do, how do we deal with that? And 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 I, you made a good comment too there, Kim, is the way agriculture has come together, you know, when we immigrated to, say, central Illinois. I mean, we came here because we wanted independence, you know, because of, you know, maybe we're in England or Germany or whatever. But I think what we have got to think about is where you really need, you know, I mean, when you sit and you look at, I mean, Stephen Covey makes a great comment. You know, he talks about, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're babes, we're dependent upon somebody else. And then there's that whole piece about, you know, when we get, you know, when our kids become teenagers, they're, you know, they want to be independent, but then, where we where we really get the real personal growth in life is when we become interdependent and we can work together because the parallel is uh, you know you know getting back to Ray Ray Archuleta's comment is that I mean nature is an interdependent system and when we can recognize that and look at it from the people side too I mean, we, we, we don't even know what the possibilities are. Right. And, and that's, that's where, you know, even so much of the science is going with like 
plant and soil connectivity. You know, we had Dr. James White from Rutgers speak two years ago at Ag Emerge, and he was talking about how the plant you know, the work that he's doing with the rhizophagy cycle and what is happening between the plant and the microbes and the communication that is going on there is wild. The science is kind of catching up to what we've seen happen in the field, even though we weren't quite sure what was making it happen. Yeah, I think that's a good comment. I mean, another one that I think if, you know, we might, you know, I would share on our on our podcast today is that whole interrelationship between, you know, when you when you're looking at something in a in a petri dish or whatever, there's some other pieces that are happening. And a book that I really think that people, you know, might want to look at is Nourishment by Fred Provenza. Fred's a, a friend of mine that's uh, Utah State. I mean, he's a, he's another one that's somewhat of a, a fixture in, in the biological interrelationships, et cetera. But he's one that I, you know, I've been blessed to be, you know, exposed to. And I've, I've ran into him twice this, this specific year in my, in my travels, but that's, that's a good read. Monty's up hearing him speak this week up in Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was just looking at his book yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I don't have it yet, so I need to get it. Yeah, but Fred's a real sincere guy, just a, a real peach of a person. And, you know, it, it, you know, it's kind of a small world. And one of the hats that I've worn over... You know, that there was kind of a, a hat from about 2007 to 2017. I was involved in the leadership of a conservation group out in, out in Maryland, the Isaac Walton League of America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're one of the oldest uh, conservation groups uh, in the country. And, you know, that, that ethic that my that I was talking about for that I gained from, you know, my my parents, my mom and dad. And even my son were involved in, you know, some of their leadership. But it, as it's turned out, uh, one of the there's a a, a staffer uh, that the league has out in Decorah, Iowa, and Fred was one of his professors when my friend Tim Wagner, uh, uh, you know, was attending Utah State. So I, uh, I mean, I'm just I'm. It's a- I'm it's a small, big world, right? Yeah, <laughs> or a big, it. small yeah, world. You got it. So. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. What I love about what you're saying is that we're starting to almost build our own soil health resembling network um, of people across the United States who are doing this work. You know, you look at Steve Groff, who's out in right. Pennsylvania. Right. doing. So he's on the East Coast. You know, you've got Gabe up north, raised yeah, down. Missouri. I mean, you got Richard Teague in Texas. Yeah. You know, yeah. folks in Oklahoma, you've basically covered the gamut of soil types, you know, yeah. type of thing. Yeah. You got folks in New Mexico. I mean, we just listened to Tom Cotter was telling us about a, a farm down in, in New Mexico that he visited. And so that's some pretty tough soil. So it's exciting to see that now there's a there's a network of folks that are are building these experiences and practices and figuring out what works, what doesn't, why it's working, what it means, you know, looking at the entomology of things that are going on with 
bugs and pests. And, you know, I, I get a kick out of um, Monty likes to quote his dad. His dad said, um, you know, I used to try to kill weeds and now we're planting them. Right. So, you know, that's an exciting thing to think about that. we got a lot of folks working together. We're moving towards a goal that that I think has gotten a lot of people excited about farming again and and what that looks like for their not only for their lifetime but for the legacy that they're looking to leave. Right, and just that one of the things that was kind of interesting, you know, what I'm what I'm seeing is, and maybe this a little bit of a, a vision piece, Kim, I guess, but. You know, it seems that the the meetings I'm going to, the average age is going down. Ah. Okay. Exciting. Well, yes. And then, and then, you know, going back to Brad Schmidt, I, I recently was in, I was recently in Memphis. Because I was in Memphis for another meeting, I asked Brad, was there anyone that was with the that was with Ducks Unlimited? Mm-hmm. That's their HQ. You with me? Oh, sure. And Brad gave me an, a name of um, a, um, a PhD staffer there. Wonderful gal. She actually got her PhD at uh, Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. And Ellen is a uh, rice farmer's daughter. And, you know, in, you know, conservation, you know, kind of program type work, they have these RCCPs. I believe I got the acronym right, but they're like a regional, the pool money together regionally. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, they're doing a DU, Ducks Unlimited, has a program in California and also in Arkansas for rice. They call it a rice enhancement program. Well, what that is, and when you look at demographics, you know, and look at 35 as being a cutoff is one of the things that they're look that they that she shared with me. The average right, you know, when you look at the 35-year-old demographic. Well, rice farmers, as an average, uh, there's only 8% of them that are under 35, okay? But with this program that they're involved in, it jumps to 23 that are 23% that are under 35. So, you know, I mean, I mean, sometimes, you know, we're, we're looking at, you know, what the conservation groups are doing, but I mean, there's a societal piece that's that's going on there. Yes, for sure. I'm just wondering what encouragement can you give to someone who's reading about what's happening with regenerative ag? There's so much talk now about soil health. Where would you direct them? What would you say to do to just, instead of, you know, you're reading all about it, but how do you get started? As your new role in understanding ag as their CEO, um, you know, you've probably got, it's another hat that you're putting on that, you know, is really helping to drive it. And I know in some of the materials that they released, you talked about how education is important. And that's probably one of the, the tougher things is just getting folks educated. But at some point, you got to quit cutting bait and go fishing, right? So That's right. Well, you were at an event where you met me in August, okay? Yeah in beautiful Schuyler County, Illinois, okay? Yes. Well, you know, Greg Redmond, he, he, you know, I mean, there's a piece of it. You, you got to jump in the water or, you, or you're never going to learn to swim. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, I'm going to give a little bit of background about maybe Greg's journey. Okay, this is a, this is a little bit of a story. There's a piece of when you start this, you know, journey. I really believe you need to do it if you're on a on a mission. I mean, I think the military when you when you're going through some of their programs, always have buddy programs. Okay. Oh, sure. So. What Greg Redman, he has a great buddy in, I mean, he's got several, of course, but one of his buddies that he has is a guy by the name of Rick Casebeer. That was the farm that we hosted the event that Gabe came to in 2017, you know, when he was the Farm, farm Progress Show. He, he came, you know, ahead and we had the, the, the open gate with HMI at that farm. But what I'm getting at is the buddy system, you know, that whole process, it really helps. You can spar with each other and, and chat and, it, and it's the community piece that is out there. So I really encourage guys when they start into this journey and, you know, sometimes, you know, the way we're structured, you know, the way ag is, I mean, we, you know, we'd like to see a lot more in interdependence, but we're probably, you know, we're, 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 we need to be thinking, you know, maybe it's going to be a buddy of ours. I mean, like Rick and Greg, you know, they're, um, whatever, probably 70, 80 miles apart almost. Okay. Or 60 plus maybe miles apart, but I mean, they're, they're texting, they're calling each other. So, I mean, there's a little, there's a network or a buzz that's out there that, that you can't put a price on. Right. Okay. So that's one thing I would really encourage you, to, you know, people to do. And I, you know, and I think that um, and, and one piece that we're working on in uh, holistic management as an example, and I mean, that's not the only place that that's happening, but say the, the, the mentoring or the peer groups that you have to be involved in because I think traditional learning has been, and I mean, I mean, the models are changing on how we, how we learn. I mean, I think there's some models that are, they're probably becoming dated. So when we have the, the mentoring groups, uh, the peer groups, whatever, I think there's, there's a sharing that the farmers, or the ranchers are going to come forth with, and we're all going to learn together. There's some movement, you know, in that space to actually get those kinds of things in place. And I think I think that's that's a huge, huge, a huge way for delivery of the information and you know what's working on, say, my farm or Greg's farm or whatever farmer or rancher it is. But sure. but I think. I think, you know, that networking piece is, is actually how it's a huge, huge piece. You bet. Well, I was excited when we met this summer at the Adaptive Grazing Conference. That was such a great uh, exposure. I actually brought my uncle in. I wanted him to see what the possibilities were. You know what I mean? To really hands-on see how they were restoring the soil. It's just fascinating to me when I get to go from farm to farm and see what's happening in these in these fields as people are adopting these practices. So, you know, it's 
kind of, it's almost like a lot of us are from Missouri. You know, you, you got to show me, you know, I I'm just fascinated to watch and see the changes in these soils and how quickly they are making these changes. And even, you know, when you watch Gabe's presentation and he talks about how he's built organic matter and he's had people out on this farm because they didn't believe him, right. you know, so then they had to come look at it and see it. And the same with like Ray, you know, I watched a ton of Ray Archuleta's tests, you know, and then I got to see him do it in person, his passion about it, but just to watch that soil disintegrate. Well, yeah, one of the things that's that you're, and let, let me give you another example that we, uh, that I've, um, it's one of those deals, uh, you know, sometimes, it, it, I mean, my, that I've, that I've uh, picked up on from my, from my network, Kim. Uh, are you familiar with the flower test? No, I don't think so. Well, Didi Pershaus with the Soil Carbon Coalition, great gal. Uh, she's out in Vermont, but she has, it's a, it's a flower test. Okay, so, I mean, I, you know, let's say you go to whatever, Baker Square, whatever, and so you got, you know, what are you going to do with these old, you know, these uh, little uh, pie tins that you have, you with me? Yeah. So, but I carry two of them in my car. But what I can do with that, I'll take a cup, a, a cup of flour, okay? Okay. And I'll put uh, that cup of flour. I, I want two pie pans. I'll take that cup of flour and I'll put it in the pie pan. And then I'll take two or three slices of bread and stack them up and put them in the other pie pan, okay? Okay. Then I'm going to take a paper or a plastic cup and I'm going to make a, a real cheap rainfall simulator. Yeah, poke some holes in the bottom of it. Right. And then I'm going to rain on that um, flower. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I mean, that flower, I mean, it just, it's a runoff problem. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, you can say, well, you know, if, if uh, you know, if it got hot and, hot and dry and, you know, bake that, you know, you got capping going on, you got runoff going on, you know, and if you had a, if you had a fan or whatever, you know, you could probably, you know, create, you know, some wind erosion or et cetera. The, the other part of it is, is then, then do the same thing on the bread. Well, you go and you, you, you start to ask questions and you say, you know, what's the difference between these two examples well you know some will say well you know the bread's porous and and you got airspace etc which that's all correct sure but the big piece is of how we got there was when we added yeast to the flour which is life which is biology that's how we created that that pore space. Does that make sense? It sure does. That's an awesome illustration. Well, and, and where I'm going with what happened recently, one, one of the, one of the network pieces that we were able to, we, we had a video showing of the farmer's footprint video in 2000 or in back in 19 in August It was actually on my birthday. 
And at that event, we had a uh, staffer from the SIU Med School here in, in Springfield. And, you know, we, I'm going to say practitioners like you and Mont and Gabe and the team and myself, we, we've got a lot of uh, information that we take for granted that we need to be sharing in our medical community. And so that's, you know, back in November, I actually got to go into our med school here and have a chat with some of the, some of the staffers, but also the University of Illinois Med School in Champaign, we're having some, we're having some discussion with them also about, you know, how this all all interrelates too. So it's back to the back to the systems piece of this. Absolutely. I mean, that's one of our cornerstone pieces that Aggie merged. We try to bring in the consumer component, but really the whole human health, soil health connection. This year we had Dr. Zach Bush. That, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, Zach. Yeah. And I mean, he just did a great job of really connecting the dots of what's going on. And, and, you know, what I really appreciate about him is that, you know, he does oncology work. He, right. he was, doing work. He has a great understanding for how cancer cells work and what is causing things to happen there. And just his insight on on that, it, it's very powerful stuff. And when we start understanding that gut health, soil health connection, it's kind of an aha moment. And we could spend another two hours talking about that, I'm right, sure. <laughs> right, 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 yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I've, got, I've got to be, meet Zach twice this last year. Oh, very good. Very good. Yes. Well, you know, it's interesting, uh, kind of to bring it back full circle. I mean, we've talked about a lot of folks that are making some some huge impacts uh, in, in this whole regenerative ag world. And, and what I appreciate is that, like, the work that you're doing, you're asking the questions. You're investigating. I mean, you're kind of like me. I, I don't have an agronomy degree. Right. Uh, my degree is in animal science. Now, right. I did take agronomy at the University of Illinois. Um, I've razzed Dr. Mulvaney that I had to unlearn a few things I learned <laughs> from, from what I know now. But, you know, what I appreciate is that you understand what needs to happen and trying to move that needle forward. And and that's a lot about what we love to do here at, in the Ag Emerge podcast is just challenge people to ask questions, ask why, you know, why should I be doing it differently? And what does that look like? And who are the people that are, are answering some of these questions and, you know, bringing them together. So I, I think that's fun. And and I said, you know, we kind of come full circle. You and I, when we first met, you know, we had that connection of, uh, we actually knew a mutual uh, right. of a friend and, and actually someone who I worked for for many years uh, in my previous life uh, working in ag software. Right. But that was our whole goal was, again, it was right back to a systems approach. You know, it wasn't just do, don't do your accounting in a silo and your crop production in a silo and your livestock in a silo. You know, we it was a fully integrated system. So they were all talking together. So there we are right back to that systems approach, you know, in your accounting and your financials, tying your production together. Right. So I think there's a theme here we need to be paying attention to. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That's right. It's exciting that you're working with those in your new role at uh, understanding ag, uh, really helping to move that needle forward. I think it's going to be a powerful role of, you know, work that you guys are doing. So well, we, we thank you for your confidence uh, because, I mean, I think that 
you know, when, you know, back there when we had the, the, the showing of the farmer's footprint video, we got 50 people out that night. A lot of them were not, I mean, they, I mean, there was, a, we had a few landlords in there that night, but I mean, they were, they were, you know, some folks from me, the medical community here in Springfield, et cetera, not totally all medical, but I'm a nice, nice potpourri of, 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 of people at that event. Um, uh, I mean, you know, one, one guy, you know, he's taking this, uh, to a level where he wants to engage, uh, you know, his church. Uh, you know, I, I was, I mean, he was the guy that drove up to our meeting all the way from St. Louis, but, mm. but I, you know, I had, a a guy I was chatting with on the phone, um, you know, about 10 days ago. Uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, his family's landlords in McLean County. And, you know, I, you know, he comes to my church and I kind of spar with him a little bit about, you know, what the possibilities are, et cetera. And, and he, he's, he's, he's got the right mindset for it. But anyway, you know, he, he rode with me when we went to hear Rick Clark this week. So, awesome. Yeah, I mean, we can, we can pull others up the ladder is what I'm trying to say, Kim. That's exactly right. And that's, you know, that's a lot of what we we're trying to do is just get the same, get, get those folks in the same room so they can start having these conversations um, and really investigate, but then do more than just check it out, start implementing, do something. I think, I think that's a quote of Gabe's, you know, do something. Right. You know, it, it's just exciting. If today after this podcast, I hope folks are encouraged to know that there's a, a ton of resources out there. And the best part about these resources are that uh, they want to help you to adopt something that's going to be life-changing, not just for their own operation, but, but operations down the road from them. So, well, you know, well, I mean, when we had the, uh, farmer's footprint video showing here in Springfield, you know, my why Kim is I have a little three-year-old granddaughter that's in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, you know, her, uh, great grandfather and you know and, and grandmother you know we we want to we want to we want to help create a better world for her so that she has cleaner water so that she has you know go to a store that has a store or a farm stand or whatever and you know and get something that is going to help her health as a young lady as she grows up etc so you know I put Eloise's you know, picture on, you know, on the screen and, and explain that that's my, that's, that's my big why. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's a pretty big why I'll say. And I, and I think that's true for a lot of folks as they're, as they're identifying why they're moving this direction. So, Walt, I, I can't thank you enough for taking time today with us. And it's, it's a pleasure to get to visit with you and I'm trusting our paths will cross again soon, get an opportunity to continue to move this needle forward, kind of bust out of that. We always say busting out of that old egg paradigm. Yeah, no, I appreciate the, you know, you know, being able to chat with you a little bit today. 
Okay. You bet. bet. Well, thank you. What a fun journey today. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. You know, I appreciate how none of our experiences in life are wasted and how Walter is a great example of how you can use those experiences to build networks and friendships. I hope you were also inspired to build your network of people who are exploring and researching and developing those regenerative ag systems. The best part is there's a great community of support and people who are on this journey with you. And if you have questions about how to get started, feel free to reach out to us and we'll help you get plugged in to some of those great resources. So until next time, have a great day.